You're listening to the Zombie Survival Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff McCune, and today we're going to be talking about all the types of survival quarters, from apartment complexes to country farmhouses, and the pros and cons to each. And as always, our helpful hints and survival tips while living in an undead world. Survival. The chances of you surviving a zombie outbreak are severely impacted by where you are when the virus hits. There are several factors to take into consideration when deciding on a place to call home, aka the safe house. Now of course you have to look at your own current living situation first and decide if it's going to provide you the sufficient defense condition that you're going to need or if it's just not going to cut it and you need to pack up and move on. Now there's really just three types of living situations that are in the mainstream. There would be the city living, the small town living, and then the country living. First we're going to cover the city. Most people think the difference between a city and a town is decided by how many people populate it, which isn't exactly true. It's actually titled on particular administrative, legal, and historical status based on local law, but with our main concern, it's all about the population. And not just the population, but how closely they live together. So we're going to need to factor in the population versus the size of the city in density of humans to square miles. So for a city, I'm sure most of you can think of a main city and its smaller outlying towns. I myself currently live outside of Fort Worth, Texas, in a much smaller community called Hazlitt. Now, according to city-data.com, Hazlitt has a population density of 210 people per square mile, which sounds like a lot to worry about, but it's classified as a very low density, quote unquote. Now, head on into the city and we're looking at a population density of 2,487 people per square mile in Fort Worth. And get this, ladies and gentlemen, it's classified as merely low density. Now to take a look at other cities around, going over into Dallas, it jumps up to 3,794 people per square mile, which is the average density of what's classified as a city. Now Shanghai has the biggest population as of 2011, with just under 18 million people, but its density is only 9,402 per square mile. Now that would be a lot easier to survive in, as opposed to cities like New York, of course, which is an incredibly packed city with readouts of 27,668 people per square mile. My God. That is just ridiculous odds against you in a zombie outbreak. Can you imagine if the virus got out there? You pinned against almost 28,000 panicked people and potential flesh eaters every single mile? I'll take my odds with that 210 out here in Hazlitt. Or even better, make your way out to one of those small farm towns. Now you know what I mean when I say small farm town. I'm talking like a six hour road trip, you're in the middle of nowhere and you pull up to a one traffic light town. Basically just a gas station and a courthouse. Now these types of towns usually don't even get hit with the census on a normal occasion and are a bit off on their numbers. But you can imagine a town with a population of a whopping 106 people, what your odds are for surviving compared to Dallas or New York City would be. Now, on the other hand, you do need to weigh the pros and cons to each living situation and figure out where you'd prefer to set up base. Small towns are going to be far less crowded compared to the big city, but it's going to have far less resources as well. You have to keep in mind those delivery trucks will be out of commission quicker than that expiration date on the gallon of milk in your fridge. Which is why it pays to be prepared. Think practical, get tactical. By now, if you listen to the Zombie Survival Podcast and you're serious about living, you've made yourself a bug out bag. If you don't know what that is, check out episode 2 of the ZSP. But a bob will only get you so far. They're made to make sure you have enough time to get the things you need to continue further in the disaster. 
taking your chances out in the city scavenging for food and supplies is going to be pretty dangerous as well. But unless you live in a canned food surplus or you take over and fortify a mini mart, you're going to have to venture out to get more anyways. That's why you're going to want to make sure to pick the right vehicle for the job, which I'll cover in the next podcast. But now, looking back at your living situation, there's a couple different places for you to call home and there are pros and cons to each. Now, a lot of people that live in the city actually live in apartment complexes, which means a lot of people in a confined space. Now the first thing you want to do is destroy the main staircase. This will surely make it a much more fortified domicile for you to live inside. Now destroying the main staircase will do a few things for you. One, you won't have to worry about boarding up the doors and windows on the first floor, and the second floor will be high enough to not have to worry about a breach in the building. And two, any still breathing scavengers will also have to look elsewhere to get supplies or sanctuary. That way you're not robbed of all your survival gear and left empty handed or worse. Of course, you want to make sure there is a secondary exit like a fire escape, as usually those have a pull-up ladder to defend against burglars, or in this case, the undead. Now, if you live in a two-story house, you'll also want to remember this trick if the boards start failing on your windows and doors downstairs. Now, a lot of two-story homes have that emergency fire ladder that you've got up in a closet somewhere, and that's what you're going to want to have. That way, if you need to go back downstairs for supplies or anything out of the kitchen, you're not completely screwed. Now, as for a trailer house, Forget about it. Pack up and move on. Next subject. RVs are awesome because if you're in a town getting overrun, you can simply start up and drive away. But you also have to think about how bulky these guys are. And if the roads are littered with abandoned cars, these guys aren't exactly off-road vehicles. Plus, they're total gas hogs. Now, a quaint little farmhouse is my personal choice. Big open fields from all directions means no surprises. You can see someone or something coming from a mile away. And if you're a sure shot on that scoped rifle, you're golden. You have the farmland to grow renewable crops, and overall it'd be a far less stressful environment to live in. But then it all goes back to personal preference. You need to hold up in the place that you feel most comfortable in. Alright ladies and gents, that does it for this episode of the Zombie Survival Podcast. If you like what you heard, please hit that subscribe button and tell your friends. Follow us on Twitter for daily news and tips at Killing a Zombie. And like our Facebook at facebook.com slash zombie survival podcast. Do you have any questions or ideas for a future episode? Shoot it over to me via email at the zombie survival podcast at gmail.com. Also, make sure to tweet us on your survival hints and tactics, and we will mention the best ones on future episodes of the Zombie Survival Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Jeff McCune, and now you can stay one step ahead of the living dead. Stay breathing, people. We'll see you next time. Ah.